welcome to the First Lutheran Church located at 512 South Kale Avenue in Miles City with pastoral services provided by Pastor Steve Rice. Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 16th chapter. Luke writes, Then Jesus said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was squandering his property. So he summoned him and said to the manager, What is this I hear about you? Give me an account of your management, because you cannot be my manager any longer. Then the manager said to himself, What will I do now that my master is taking the position away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do so that when I am dismissed as manager people may welcome me into their homes so summoning his master's debtors one by one he asked the first how much do you owe my master he answered a hundred jugs of olive oil he said to him take your bill sit down quickly and make it fifty then he asked another how much do you owe He replied, A hundred containers of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill and make it eighty. And his master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the children of this age are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth, so that when it is gone, you may walk, they may welcome you into the eternal homes. Whoever is faithful in very little is faithful also in much, and whoever is dishonest in a very little is dishonest also in much. If then you have not been faithful with the dishonest wealth, who will entrust you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful with what belongs to another, who will give you what is your own. No slave can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Thank you. This morning we kind of got a bumpy start there, uh, but I trust we're now broadcasting and uh, all is well. Uh, I thank you uh, also who participated in leadership of worship last uh, Sunday in our absence. We were in Portland, Oregon, uh, there to visit our son Jonathan and to on the way there and on the return to visit uh, Emily and Sarah respectively. So thank you for that. Uh, In our brief trip there, we got to experience everything from the ridiculous to the sublime. Uh, And (laughs) I'll 
speak with you after worship about that. Uh, but uh, so thank you all who provided leadership. Also, uh, if there are those with children here who will be participating in uh, the upcoming First Communion class, I'll just meet in the chancel here with those children uh, after worship uh, for a bit of uh, time with them. And speaking of children, I uh, suggest and would observe that when children tell a lie, when children tell a lie, you parents, we parents, how often we can sense it, okay? We just know, and we know with an amazing precision that something isn't being told what, what, what's really going on. Sometimes uh, a child's explanations when they try to uh, tell you something, or their rationalizations when they're being somewhat less than honest uh, can even be, I suggest, from the perspective of age and wisdom, humorous to the all-seeing, all-understanding parent. <laughs> Such parental insight, though, I submit to you, uh, may actually be uh, a, a very interesting manifestation of love that capacity given us by God that we can discern when we are being fed to by our kids in order that we be able to provide then uh, parental guidance, even correction to our children for their benefit, right? And so let's take a look at today's um, uh, somewhat dour, certainly not happy, joyful gospel lesson from Luke's gospel. Um, there's Pharisees present, but Jesus turns and he speaks to his disciples uh, and tells the parable that we have just heard. And then it then follows that parable, of course, that series of, of teachings on honesty and integrity and wealth and fidelity. As we enter into the parable, it's useful to know that the quantities uh, that are mentioned in the parable uh, are really quite substantial of wheat and olive oil. Uh, they're described as, as um, measuring, uh, if we do the conversions, uh, into thousands of bushels of wheat and hundreds of liters of olive oil. So we're not talking about just a little bit. We're talking about a fortune that is, uh, that is in play in, in the parable. And Jesus began the parable then by describing the rich man, the owner, okay, uh, that he had been hearing whispers and rumors about his manager, uh, and that prompted him to inquire, make inquiries of the manager about the status of his substantial holdings. What is this I hear? Well, we're told the manager's guilty conscience springs immediately into action, rather than relying upon uh, either an explanation or even a confession of his mismanagement, the manager quickly devised a plan, a scheme, to ensure his economic well-being, his economic future, in the face of what he knew certainly lie ahead, that he was being dismissed. And with all the finesse of a commodity trader, the manager said to his master's debtors, um, 
you know, mark the hundred jugs of oil you owe my master down to 50 and make a hundred containers of wheat 80 and thought thereby he was ensuring his future. And as I'm thinking of this and my mind uh, drifts back to time many long years ago now when uh, our eldest daughter that we visited here a few days ago, Emily, was herself just a little more than a toddler, like maybe this tall, not very big, a little more than a toddler. And uh, she'd been playing on our screened-in porch as a summer's evening's light faded. And as the sun was setting, as they're wont to do, you've probably seen it yourself, a swarm of houseflies uh, buzzed busily in that corner of the porch facing uh, the sinking sun. And I walked onto the porch uh, to check on her, and I found Emily sitting in that same corner as those flies with her little back toward the door through which I entered. And I asked the obvious question, what are you doing, Emily? Nothing came her half-hearted reply. And yet, as our little daughter turned around to face me, <laughs> the small telltale body parts of some of those flies were still sticking to her lips and glued to her chin. The evidence, you see, told me a tale other than the one that spontaneously sprang from Emily's not-so-innocent lips. It seemed that Emily wanted to know what those buzzing flies tasted like. <laughs> but even at her tender age, she sensed, she knew, that eating flies was not going to be something received with approval by either her father or her mother. And thus, Emily tried to hide her very first culinary adventure by deceiving me. So, too... The man, the manager, who was guilty of squandering his master's property. Perhaps not guilty of outright theft, the man, however, and nonetheless knew that the time and the season for concealment of his mismanagement, his misdeeds, had ended. But rather than confessing what he had done, human nature instinctively Drove told the manager to formulate a plan, a scheme, a rationalization to hold on to whatever wealth he could. And so he formed a plan. And by that plan, he was also bringing others into his world of deception. But, as we know, the master was not fooled. Not fooled, but to me, the far more interesting thing is that neither was he enraged, neither was he wrathful. He commended him as if to say, <laughs> nice job trying to say nothing, when guilty, like little bits of insect wings, is written all over your face. Jesus' disciples were soon to be and to become the church. They were to become our ancestors, just as the Pharisees had long been entrusted with the greatest treasures of the faith, so too would the church come to possess 
the keys to the kingdom of heaven, if you will. And as stewards of this great treasure, as stewards of literally the mysteries of God, it was and would be incumbent soon upon the nascent church in its, in its infancy. These men that were disciples would become their responsibility to keep priorities in order. Now, clearly, at times, Jesus could be very, very hard on the scribes and the Pharisees particularly when he detected in things they said and did hypocrisy. But all the while, he did not hate them. Jesus could also, I think, see how the Pharisees had simply lost their way by the allure and attraction of things not of the kingdom of God. And he could foresee the same challenge would be present in the church and the inner conflict among his disciples and their successors. If you've read church history, you know that certainly proved to be the case. And in the end, Jesus knew the most likely of sources for erring and straying and causing conflict from the all-important spiritual path that he was setting the disciples upon would be those temptations associated with Wealth and power, money. Okay? And so Jesus went on then to observe whoever is faithful in very little is faithful also in much, and whoever is dishonest in very little is dishonest also in much. If you've not been faithful with dishonest wealth, who will entrust you with true riches? And if you have not been faithful with what belongs to another, who will give you what is your own. And then those words, no slave can serve two masters. For a slave will either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. And I think then, though the lesson ends there, more forcefully supporting this revelation are Luke's very next words when he's writing as a, using the narrator's voice. Luke adds, you see, quote, the Pharisees who were lovers of money heard all this and they ridiculed Jesus. So Jesus said to them, you are those who justify yourselves in the sight of others. But God knows your heart. For what is prized by human beings is an abomination in the sight of God. Well, clearly within this context, what is prized by human beings is not hard to interpret. Wealth, power, station, status, our manager, if you will. And so as I look at this, uh, this text, among many dimensions to it, uh, must be considered that also in the end, this lesson appears to be about priorities, and temptations, fidelity to that which we are called in Christ Jesus, as opposed to that which Siren Song calls us to have as priorities in this life, in this world. Um, and the lesson is about those human things that are most likely to intrude upon the things of God. 
Jesus' parable addresses those who are good at pretending that they don't. Just like the crafty manager or my little daughter, Jesus wants to remind us that God knows. (laughs) God knows. The Father always knows. And rather than saying nothing, rather than concocting a, 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 a rationalization or a scheme, the better path is to own and confess our failures and shortcomings. And from this parable, acknowledge our misguided attachments to things. And then acknowledging them to repent that we get our priorities out of order, that we are sometimes dishonest and not honest to God. Do that only to discover that the honest one will not incur God's wrath, just as the manager, but rather discover a parental kindness and understanding in God. For we are children of this age. Yet through the gospel, he has called us to become children of light. And so we live in this tension. Okay, we live in this tension. Recognizing ourselves in the manager, but also recognizing uh, in the master, the one we follow who understands how we are, loves us in spite of it, gives himself to us that we might in response be more able to give ourselves to him. Well, not one of my favorite parables, but one instructive for us. In this, the age in which we live, and the lives that we find ourselves living. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this production of the First Lutheran Church. We welcome you to visit us in person at 512 KL Avenue. You can also find us on Facebook at First Lutheran Church, Miles City, Montana, and email us at flc at midrivers.com.